Hey guys, Leah here with one small addendum to this episode. So when we recorded this on August 17th, 2021, there was no news about when ABBA was going to release these songs that they had been working on um, and left just indefinitely to hang into space. And then while we were editing this episode, they actually came out and announced that they were going to drop a new song for the first time since 1981 on September 2nd, 2021. If you're listening to this episode, this episode was released on September 3rd, 2021. Could not have planned that better if I tried, um, but wanted to make sure that we fixed the now inaccurate information that we didn't know about when this new music was going to be released. So yeah, go listen to it. I'm sure it's a bop. I'm recording this on the first, so I really don't know. Okay. I have been saving this. <laughs> oh yeah, you told you didn't, but you did tell me about it on Saturday. Okay. So for those who don't know, which is pretty much everyone listening, <laughs> so for all of our listeners, <laughs> for all of our listeners, pull up, pull up a seat because we're gonna get a little personal for a second. <laughs> um. So, how much do I want to reveal? So I'm on a medication. Let's just say it there that you way. go. I'm on a medication. Everything's fine. It's just a management medication, but it causes me to have the most vivid dreams I have ever had in my entire life. And I'm already kind of a visual, vivid person in general. They're fucking wild dreams. Guys, (laughs) I was not prepared for how much my mind was like, all right, cool. Let's fuck you up. (laughs) (laughs) So here is the dream. It's. It plays out like an epic, like a Hunger Games-esque dream. Okay. And at first I'm in a bar, just hanging out, but I'm not myself. I'm playing a character. Okay. I'm playing a character who's male. And the big explosion happens. The Jelly Bean Empire takes over. The Jelly Bean Empire? (laughs) Yes. The Jelly Bean Empire. Are they like wearing jelly beans or are they like alive jelly beans? Kind of. So basically here's what happens. They're humans. And but there's, you know, there's a guy at the top. I never saw him. I just met. Jelly Bean Hitler. Yes. And, you know, like there's the uh, character in every movie who's the muscle. Yes. So this was a female muscle. Second in command, if you will. You're Gwendolyn Christie. The Gwendolyn Christie. Thank you. So they're humans and everyone has to make jelly beans and they have to eat jelly beans as their only sustenance. And they, everyone carries a bucket, tin bucket filled with jelly beans with a string tied to their wrist. Do you have any teeth left in this universe? I do. (laughs) I don't, I don't believe in the, I am a resistance fighter. In the jelly bean empire. Okay. So. You're eating vegetables. I don't know what I'm eating. I don't remember eating a damn thing in this. <laughs> in this thing. <laughs> jelly bean empire. But basically. This is. This has Veggie Tales Nebuchadnezzar vibes of the bunny. <laughs> bro. You don't even know the line that was just about to come out of my mouth. If you do not comply. You get sent to the cheddar grave. Is what it was called. Not the furnace. Like. So imagine like Cheez-Its going through a furnace. That's what it's like. It was Cheez-Its going through a furnace. You get pushed into Where a Cheez-It. Where did Cheez-Its come from? What the fuck if I know? But you get pushed into a Cheez-It. Is soil like green people? The- is, are the Cheez-Its people? I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Why don't they taste sweet? Now it doesn't make sense. If they were only eating jelly beans, why does the Cheez-Its not taste like jelly beans? Why do they taste like cheese? But maybe in this universe, Cheez-Its taste like jelly beans. I don't know. No one explained it to me. I am just the actor portraying the role of the resistance fighter okay. in the jelly bean world. Okay. So I basically go to a library and I, and I read this book and I'm enlightened. And I'm like, whoa, if I set this princess free, I can set the whole kingdom free. So I <laughs> run away. With the muscle following me and trying to get to me. Okay. But I win. I get out of the city and I end up in the outskirts, the abandoned towns with the people hiding. Okay. And they give me some clothes and I'm on my way to find the princess. And then Josh wakes me up. Damn it, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) He wakes me up to go to the fucking gym when I'm trying to figure out 
Who is the princess? How can I free her? How do we overthrow the jelly bean empire? How do we overthrow the jelly bean empire? That was that was not what I was expecting, but these are the dreams I'm having. I'm here for it. I I literally talked to my therapist about it. Like cuz I'm like, should I be having dreams like this? And she goes, I've never heard of it, but are they nightmares? I'm like, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm Bethann. And I'm Leah. And this is the Jelly Bean Empire sponsored podcast. Just kidding. This is She Will Rock You. Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, hold up before I haunt you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Please, this is bad. We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She Will Rock You. Jelly Bean. Damn it, now we gotta make jelly bean merch. Ah, damn, we do, don't we? Uh, stay tuned. Don't go to the cheddar grave. <laughs> damn it. Uh, do you want to read yeah. a review? Yeah, I guess. Uh, before I feel like, oh, before you do that, I forgot to mention in our last episode that I put on our first ever user chosen topic poll. You did on our social media. So if you voted in it, thank you. Um, this episode is not what was chosen in the poll because I was already almost done researching it when I ran the poll. So sorry. But next episode that we record next month, I will be doing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Ooh. So for the first time ever, you're going to know what I'm doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. I only know because the people chose. So thank you, people. I will do one of those next year. Yes. So you will see my poll if you all fucking choose the Wiggles. I'm putting the Wiggles back on there. Listen. Listen, folks. I don't want you to be the one to cover the wiggles. I want to be the one to okay. cover the wiggles. So, so, so you can't give me the wiggles. Can't give Beth Ann the wiggles. We can't cover the wiggles next year. I Too will bad. Run, so sad. I will run the poll for you. Okay. We'll choose yeah, for please you. Please don't let me run the poll. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna scroll all the way to the bottom of the list, Kay. and I have landed on "Chill Out and Rock Out" by Jay Burke eighty nine UK. I wonder where he's located. I don't know. Um, UK. Says UK. Uh, that's why I said I don't know. <laughs> I really thought you didn't know. Well, I was confused for a second because usually I'm the one confused. I was not confused. I was just being sarcastic. <laughs> anyway, um, really great podcast. Um, chill vibes while speaking. I'm gonna restart that because the whilst threw me off. Whilst. Whilst. A really great podcast, chill vibes while speaking about some fantastic bands. The audio quality is good as well. I'm a Pantera fan, and I found enjoyable and informative. Looking forward to future apps. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you're new to the show, welcome. Yes. We don't always talk about dreams, but we do... Once in a blue moon, we do. Quite often go off on weird tangents. We do. So, Welcome. Nothing like talking about rock music and then transitioning over to jelly beans. <laughs> Damn jelly bean empire. What do you think? What flavored jelly bean would Freddie Mercury be? Probably something flashy and bright red, like the candy apple flavor. Yeah. I was thinking Janice would be the cinnamon flavor. What's his face from Mamas and Papas? John would be the black licorice. La- black licorice. Because those go right in the trash. <laughs> Isn't it ironic that someone in our life likes black licorice yes. jelly beans? I used to give him all my black licorice <laughs> jelly beans. Let's see where that got it was me an in omen. Life. Anyway, um, so today we're finally doing, or I'm finally doing it. What are you doing? Talking about ABBA. The big, big <laughs> guy in the sky. <laughs> Please leave that in. So ABBA is not what you would consider a rock band. So why am I talking about them? I'll allow it. First off, every song is a fucking bop. This I don't is care true. what you say. Very true. Every song, except we'll, we'll get there. Uh, there is one that I was thoroughly confused by. Also, if you were a child of the '90s like me and Beth Ann, you were probably first introduced to this band when the A-Teens cover of Dancing Queen played on TV like yes. every hour yes. for no on reason. Disney Channel. <laughs> yes. On Disney Channel. I don't know why. It had nothing to do with Wasn't Disney. Wasn't it a roller skating? Yeah. It, it was like, a roller skating video, music video. They're like, it looks like they're outside like a Sonic or something. Yeah. It had nothing to do with Disney Channel. It wasn't in a movie at the time. 
I don't know why the hell they were on Disney Channel. Wow. I just went deep into my memory to pull that out. But I was obsessed. Also, one of my best friends, Danae. Hey, Danae. Hey. Has been requesting this since literally day one. And she her has. birthday is in September. So this is my present to you. You can't see, but I'm doing like a little, yes. a little bow. It was very majestic. Also, uh, I just needed an excuse to relive my Mamma Mia movie soundtrack obsession from 2008. Mm-hmm. So thank you. And the final reason is there's a lot of you followers and listeners from Sweden recently. So That's true. Thank you. This is also a thank you to you. So let, let us d- get into ABBA, which I'm going to say ABBA because I'm American and I'm from Virginia and that's just how we say it. <laughs> it's pronounced ABBA. But you, you say it that way. It's how I have said it my entire yes. life. Can't undo 28 years of ABBA in, in one night. So we start with Benny Anderson. He's born in December 1946 in Stockholm, Sweden. And he is a member of the Swedish pop rock group, The Hep Stars, which is very similar to a band you just mentioned, The Mamas I, and Papas. Yeah. And I made a face and I was like, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to save it for this one. Weird. The Hep Stars. It's also weird we're both covering like female and male yes. singing groups. There's some similarities between the two. Huh. It's very weird. The whole time I felt very strange. Um, n- no trigger warnings in this one, though. Yeah. ABBA is a safe place. ABBA <laughs> is a safe place. <laughs> uh, so the Hep Stars were known as the Swedish Beatles. Interesting. In the music scene in Sweden, you had the Hep Stars, and that was it. There was nobody else. They were the top of the game. Like, you had your your small, like, pub bands, basically. Yeah. But they were like the biggest name in Sweden. They, however, did not ever make it big outside of Sweden, mm. which, as we will see, is a problem when you're from Sweden. Benny, he played the keyboard and he started writing songs for lots of bands, his bands, other bands. Um, and they became major hits in Sweden, which will be a problem. Uh, so he meets this guy named Bjorn Ulveus. He's born in April 1945 in Gothenburg, Sweden. And Bjorn begins his music career at the age of 18. He's a singer. He plays guitar. And he's the front man for the Hootenanny Singers. The what? what? The Hootenanny Singers. Oh, I love that. They're a popular Swedish folk skiffle group. You all know I'm about my <laughs> skiffle groups. <laughs> I love the word skiffle so much. Me all Hootenanny going back. The Hootenanny singers. So Bjorn started writing English songs for his group. uh, And he even like branched into having a solo career, but it never took off. Um, And because the music scene in Sweden, as you can imagine, is not the biggest thing in the world. Sweden's like the size of one state here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, The Hootenanny singers and the Hep stars would cross paths while touring and they bumped into each other quite frequently. And so they become friendly, and in 1966, Benny and Bjorn decide, let's, let's try writing a song together. Like, we're in similar circles. This could work. So their first attempt at a song together was called Isn't, Isn't It Easy to Say, which is not an easy title to say. <laughs> I'm sure that um, it works better in Swedish. Uh, and that song was recorded by the Hep Stars and released... Um, uh, not to spoil anything, but the Hep Stars don't go very far <laughs> in the story. Um, but through this process, and at the time, they get friendly with Stig Anderson, who is the manager of the Hootenanny Singers and founder of the Polar Music Label. He is important because he saw this collab between Benny and Bjorn and was like, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You guys should write more songs. And so Benny wrote a song and submitted it. It's called... I think it's pronounced Hey Clown or I don't know. I don't speak Swedish. H-E-J Clown um, for the Melody Festivalen, which is the Melody Festival in 1969. And this festival is important because you know what's starting in the 60s? Eurovision. Yeah. You know how you get to represent Sweden in Eurovision? You win the Melody Festival. So this song, the clown song, ends up tying for first place Mm -hmm. but because there's a tie they end up casting a revote between those ties and Mm -hmm. benny gets second so he's sad but 
while he's at the festival, he ends up meeting his soon-to-be wife, singer Anna Fried Lingstad, Aww. who, for most of the rest of this outline and in most of her life, she just went by Frida instead of Anna Fried. I don't blame her. Yeah. Um, so she was also participating in this contest. Also didn't win. So a month later, uh, Benny and Frida start dating. And the Hepstars and the Hoot Nanny Singers, they break up. That's sad. We saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't going very far. And this is during the summer of 1969. And so Benny and Bjorn were like, we got nothing else to do. You want to write some more songs together? Might as well. So they wrote an album together under the name Benny and Bjorn called Laika, which means happiness in Sweden. All the songs were original. Both men sang on both songs. Um, and their partners, Anna Fried and Bjorn's girlfriend, which we'll meet in a second, were just, they were always there in the recording studio mm-hmm. as girlfriends do. And so they just, Put them on backing vocals. There is so many similarities between. Yes, it's very our weird. Two outlines. You know, you are yours is the sun uh, horoscope, and mine is the moon yes. horoscope. Yes, we have not a happy ending, but a a pretty happy path. Yeah. Um. So let us touch base on the ladies in their lives. We already talked about Frida a little bit, but Frida was actually born November 1945 in Norway and moved to Sweden at a very very young age. She started singing at the age of 13 and uh, mainly specialized in dance bands and was highly trained in like jazz cabaret performance, Mm -hmm. which makes sense when you look at ABBA. Um, She met Benny when she kind of tried to start her own solo career and he produced her first number one single, My Own Town, the English translation, and all the f- the other three members of ABBA actually backed up her on her song, which was like her first number one hit single, Aww. which is pretty cool. That's cool. So the fourth member that is in this band is Anjeta Faltskog. She's born April 5th, 1950 in, I'm, I can't pronounce that. She's born in Sweden. That works. And she sang with a local dance band um, and... She was really popular in Sweden. Like, Sweden loved her even before she joined up with the ABBA group. Um, She's, I mean, they're all incredible singers. But around the time that she meets the other three, she was playing Mary Magdalene in the Swedish production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Nice. So they're all, like, talented, decently successful musicians in Sweden. It's almost like they're a super group in a way. Yes. Without being a super group because they weren't really famous before they found each other they're only famous in sweden um and so she sang in a band she sent a demo recording to a band that was headed up by a guy named carl lundqvist Mm -hmm. and the song is called i was so in love and lundqvist like fell in love with anyata's voice like convinced that she was gonna be a star he like got this tape in the mail, went through the pre-internet effort of finding her, locating her, paid for her to come to to Stockholm to record two of her songs. And so at the age of 18, she had a number one record in Sweden with a song she wrote herself. Wow. And that it went on to sell 80,000 copies, which was like unheard Good of. Good for her, man. For A, a female singer, but a female singer in the 60s in Sweden. Yeah. Um, so we know that Benny and Bjorn came from successful bands. Anyata was like one of the most popular solo acts between 1968 and 1972. She had eight number ones wow. in Sweden. So yeah, they, I guess they are kind of a super group. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, she met Bjorn during May 1969 when they were filming some kind of Swedish TV special. Yeah. They meet in May 1969. They get married in July 1971. Wow. So, I mean, it's not terribly fast, but still really fast. Yeah. So, everyone has met. They've all married. We're going to we're gonna start a band now. Kind of. Anyata and Bourne, obviously, were always up in each other's recording sessions because they're married. They're both involved in music. And so, Benny and... Uh, it's really confusing that they're both A's and B's, which... 
is why they're called ABBA. We'll get there in a second. Oh. But it's hard to keep them straight. So if I st- stutter, it's because they're Benny, Bjorn, Anyata, and Anna Fried. Benny and Anna Fried added up backing vocals to Anyata's third solo album. And so, like, they're just doing all these projects out of the place. Yeah. So how do we get them all together? Well, we take a vacation. That's how it's made. A couple's vacation. In April 1970, the two couples go on holiday together to the island of Cyprus. Nice. Sounds magical. Yes. And they just start singing on the beach for fun one night. But they're so good and such like natural performers that they end up having this like crowd of UN soldiers who are stationed on the island just like watching them goof around on the beach. Wow. And so remember at this time, Benny and Bjorn are recording their first album Leica together and Frida and Anyata are doing backing vocals. So then they got the idea of like, well, wait a minute, maybe this could be more than just the girls on backing vocals. Mm-hmm. So they start an act called Festifolka, which translates from Swedish into English as party people. Party people. <laughs> but Festifolka. Also, Festifolka. Um, but also engaged couples. It's like a triple meaning, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and it's kind of like a cabaret show. And it didn't do great at first. Uh, it got super negative reviews. Um, except... When they performed their first song ever, all four together. It was called uh, Hello Old Man, is the English translation. Keep in mind, up up until I, I say so, they're always performing in Swedish. Yeah. So in 1970, Laika's released. Everything's in Swedish. Both couples are now married. And we run into an old friend, Stig Anderson, from earlier. Okay. At this point, he has founded and developed Polar Music, which is the Columbia Records of Sweden. They're huge in Sweden. He wants to break outside of Sweden. And he's like, Benny and Bjorn, you guys are my ticket to get out of (laughs) here. And so he offers Bjorn a job as a producer and a writer. And Bjorn was like, yes, can I bring Benny? And Stig was like, I only have money to pay one person. And he goes, we will split the salary. And they did. Good for them. So he got two people for the price of one. It's so a good deal. Genius businessman. Um, from what I get from watching these interviews with Stig's daughter, the band does not do interviews. Let me just tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. They live under a rock now. You cannot contact them. But so the interviews are all people around them. Um, I think I would have liked to work under Stig because he was kind of a hard ass, mm-hmm. but he pushed them creatively and he knew what they were capable of. So he never like pushed them too hard. Yeah. Um, and he obviously they, they flourished under his leadership. So we like Stig. So he starts thinking about how um, he wanted Sweden to enter into Eurovision. And he said, Benny and Bjorn, let's go to, Mel- to Melody Festival again write a song for it and um they get rejected twice what in 1971 they enter a song called say it with a song which came in third place but it got benny and bjorn a lot of popularity within sweden like don't they realize that they are abba they're that not abba Meryl yet. streep would one day sing their songs they're not abba yet we're getting there um and so they like work on recording some stuff. They're just kind of like, I don't want to say floundering around, but they're kind of floundering yeah. around. They're trying to get their feet under them. But in 1973, Stig says, fuck it. We're going to Melody Festival again. You can do this. But one condition. You're going to sing your song in English this time. Yeah. So they sing the song Ring Ring, all four of them in English. And they came in third. <laughs> Man. But don't worry, <laughs> they do get a redemption moment. Um, but this leads them to release their debut studio album, also called Ring Ring. The album is entirely in English, which was kind of unheard of for a Swedish band at that right. point. Uh, they released the single Ring Ring, which did pretty well in Europe and South Africa. Um, but Stig is Stig is a smart man. And he knows this band is not going anywhere mm-hmm. out of Sweden until they get a hit in the UK or the US. Right. 
which as we know, that is the ticket to success. That, unfortunately, it is true. So up until now, they've been performing under the name Bjorn and Benny, Agneta and Anafried. Well, there's your problem. Which is a lot. Yeah. And Stig gets really, really tired of writing this on paperwork. So he starts abbreviating it as their initials. A-B-B-A. That's great. Unfortunately, ABBA is also the name of a well-known fish canning company in Sweden. Well, no one gives a shit about them. So they had to literally come to negotiations with the fish cannery <laughs> to, to convince them that A, the name would work in international markets because no one knows ABBA as the fish company <laughs> outside of Sweden. But also... They had to negotiate the rights to use the name. That's incredible. And the factory basically said, okay, as long as you don't make us feel ashamed for what you're doing. <laughs> ah! Dude, imagine just negotiating with a fish company that for your was, name. That was some lawyer's job. Like usually he, he got paid a lot of money for that too. Like usually it's like another artist has taken your name. Fish cannery. That's incredible. Um, so by this time, it's like nine, it's 1973 and they're, they're on the rise success, but they're not quite there yet because yeah. they're stuck in Sweden. Why don't they just take Sweden and push it somewhere <laughs> else? <laughs> They'll still be in Sweden. <laughs> and so Stig has this dream. He wants to sell this Swedish music outside of Sweden mm -hmm. and no one's ever done that. So they have a name. They have several failed attempts at the Melody Festival. Yeah. So what do they do again? Try again at the 1974 Melody Festival. Because they know this is their ticket. Um, and so I think part of their issue was the world had to catch up with ABBA. Because they're very disco-esque. They're this point... Disco Carpenters-esque. In 1974, glam rock starts to become really big in England. So we're there. We're yeah. there. They enter Waterloo into the Melody Festival. They not only win the Melody Festival, they go on to win Eurovision 1974 unanimously. That's just a damn good song. Capturing the hearts of thousands across Europe. Um, interesting points. Up until this point, Eurovision was mostly ballads. Mm -hmm. So it's like, dude with a guitar singing a traditional folk song of yeah. his land and then here comes ABBA with this pop song in their glittery spandex outfits uh and they really they stood out they made an impression yeah. also the guitar that I don't know if it's Benny or Bjorn plays during this is the coolest guitar I've ever seen in my life I will find a photo we will post it um and here after they win the festival win uh Eurovision Stig is a genius because he signs them to multiple labels in multiple countries because he wants to work with the best. That's smart. He said in this in this interview, or his daughter said in the interview, she didn't. They didn't just want like to sign a Sony record because Sony mm -hmm. may be good in Italy, but they may suck in the UK. So he like put in the effort to make sure that each country got the best wow. deal. Wow. So uh, if anyone's wondering, they went with Atlantic in the U.S., which is interesting because at the time they were an R&B label. Hmm. Um, to give you some idea of the contemporaries that ABBA had on the label, Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles were signed wow. to this, this label. But the um, A&D guy that they interviewed, he said that he just he knew a hit when he had it mm -hmm. and he felt something special about ABBA. And so he convinced the label to sign him. Uh, so Waterloo was ABBA's first major hit in numerous countries, like the whole world. And it became the number one single in nine Western and Northern European countries. It also hit the big markets of UK and West Germany, wow. which we know is important to make it. You got to hit UK. And it also made the top 10 in lots of other countries, including Spain, Australia and France and number seven in Canada. In the U.S., it made it all the way to number six. Good for them. Which is crazy. Um, so, uh, I lost my spot. But the album, Waterloo as a whole, only peaked at number 145 in the U.S., in the top 200, um, because no one really knew what to do with it. The Los Angeles yeah. Times called it a compelling and fascinating debut album that captures the spirit of mainstream pop quite effectively 
an immensely enjoyable and pleasant project. Um, but they, they didn't, commercial sales just didn't, didn't do it for it, which as we will see, and as we see in most European bands, the U.S. does not know a good thing when we have it. Correct. So they just won the biggest, this biggest, uh, thing in Europe. And they're just kind of playing it cool. Like, Bjorn and Benny are back to working with the Hootenanny Singers. They've kind of mm-hmm. reunited. Um, Frida and Anyata are working on their own solo albums. And they just don't know what is about to happen to them. But why do I want now ABBA with the Hootenannies? Like, like that would be the title. ABBA with the Hootenannies. It like, could, it could like happen. Paul McCartney with the Eagles or something. Like, yeah. Or the Wings, sorry. Yeah, and the Wings. Um, so they follow up Waterloo with... Honey, honey, in the U.S. Me, uh huh. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> That's Mamma Mia. Um, which that peaks at 27. But for some in the U.S., but for some reason, their U.K. label, because remember, mm-hmm. different labels in different countries, decides to release a remix of Ring Ring instead, okay. which does not do well in the t- in the U.K. at all. And so rumors start to spread in Europe that ABBA is just a one-hit wonder and they're never going to make a good no. album. Um, the U.S. label, meanwhile, is like, hey, you guys are still really new. The only way to make it over here is to tour. Come do a tour. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard for them to do a tour because they're not a rock band. You can't just slap a four-piece outfit on a stage and call it a day. Like, their sets are like these elaborate stage sets, sets basically. It's like setting up a theater production. Yeah. Um, and they're like, eh, we don't really want a tour. We just want to make more albums. And they, they said they already knew what fame was from Eurovision and they didn't want more of it. So wow, they weren't going to tour. Ooh, that, that, that is some guts to say that. They told the U.S. agent that and they did, the U.S. guy did not like it. Oh, I'm sure he was perplexed. So in 1974, they released their self-titled third studio album called ABBA. The single off of this album is SOS, which skyrockets them back up into the charts in the U.K. and all across Europe. And they follow up that single with Mamma Mia, uh. which hits multiple number ones all over the world. Um, so like I said, they didn't want to tour. Yeah. So they started this new thing called music videos as a way to get their faces out there. Interesting. They were one of the pioneers. Along with uh, Queen. Yes. Uh, but Queen just kind of like the, bo- the, the Bohemian Rhapsody video is cool. But it's not like a cinematic masterpiece. Yeah. ABBA made cinematic masterpieces of the time. They're yeah. very, very 70s cinematography. They're kind of trippy. Um, they actually called them music movies and not music videos when they released them. And all of them, all of ABBA's are directed by Lars uh, Lasse, Laza Hallstrom, uh, who is a genius. And he's in this documentary I watched. And he's like the coolest dude ever. Um, he's so proud of his work. It's the cutest thing. The Aww. man's like 75 in this interview and he, you could tell that like the highlight of his life yeah. was making these ABBA oh, videos. I love that. I love when people are proud of what they do. So these videos are popular in Europe. The U S probably didn't give a shit about them cause we're boring. Um, but these videos make them explode in Australia. Like picture peak 2011 one direction. Yeah. That's ABBA in Australia. They knew what they were doing. So we'll, we'll the talk. The U.S. was just upset they didn't want to work to the bone. Yes. How dare they not tour? Yeah. How, how dare they take a break? But we'll talk about Australia again in a minute. So in March 1976, they released their compilation called Greatest Hits. After only three albums. I don't really understand, but you know, whatever. It became their first UK number one album so like someone knew what they were doing yeah um and they also knew what they were doing because back then it was a trick ish of the record label to when you compile the greatest hits you put the greatest hits on there but you also throw a new single on there mm-hmm. to can like to give people an incentive to buy your new album um and the single that they put on this greatest hits album is fernando which Nando goes on to be number one in 13 countries simultaneously. Fun fact, this song was actually written for Frida's solo album in Swedish, um, but something told them to not put it on her album. Mm-hmm. 
rewrite English lyrics, put it out as ABBA, and it became one of their biggest hits ever. I love that. In Australia, because the Australians love ABBA, Fernando occupied the top position at number one for 14 weeks. Wow. Holy shit. And then that's like, what, four and a half months? Uh, and then stayed in the chart for another 40 weeks. That's crazy. It was the longest running chart topper in Australia for over 40 years until Ed Sheeran stole the record with Shape of You in 2017. What? So it had not been broken? No. <laughs> That's insane. Not until not until Ed. They really love their ABBA then. They really do. Like, you don't understand what we're going to get to in a minute. Uh, meanwhile, the United States just vibing. We're the John Deacon of this story. No, we're not even the John Deacon. We're just like looking the other way. Um, They didn't come tour here. The U.S. is really hard to break into if you're not touring. Um, But they wouldn't. They eventually changed their minds from we don't want to tour to we'll tour when we get a platinum album in the U.S. That'll be the thing that gets us to tour. But in the U.S., you can't get a platinum album without touring. So they just kind of like forgot about us and said, <laughs> nah, and just focus on the well, rest of the world. You know, there are other countries besides the United States. Yeah. I mean, good for them for not putting all their eggs in one basket. Yeah, absolutely. They released their fourth album, Arrival, in 1976. And this one has like hit this. This album alone could be a greatest hits album. The singles they release off of this, you start with Money Money. Love that song. Then they released Knowing Me, Knowing You. Uh-huh. And then, oh, sorry, no. Those are the second and third. The first single to even drop off this album is Dancing Queen. Holy shit. Which not only tops the markets in the UK, Germany, Sweden, and like other smaller European countries and Australia, but it hits number one in the US. Ooh, that's good. Which we know is a big deal because disco is hot in 1976 over here. Also, Canada, the Soviet Union, Japan, France, Spain, and Italy. There, I, I don't like. I can't comprehend. That's insane. Like to think that. Well, I guess it makes sense because we got a musical out of the deal. But like, ABBA is like this huge, huge band. They were massively huge. Like it just feels like in theater because we both grew up in theater. Yeah, yeah ABBA, Mamma Mia. But I didn't know they were this big. That's because they weren't here. It was only in the U.S. or in the U.K. and like in the rest of Europe. Yeah, here they're just like. Queen, I don't even know what we were obsessing over at that point. Probably Tom Petty. Yeah. We'll talk about him next time. We are excited to share that the female DIY musician has asked us to tell our listeners about an exciting opportunity they have for female identifying musicians. They will be awarding four fully funded scholarships for their trailblazing online course, the Home Recording Academy. Two scholarships will be awarded to musicians who identify as non-white, and another two will be given to musicians who identify as disabled, including living with a chronic illness. Home Recording Academy is a seven-module online course teaching female-identifying musicians how to record their music from home. What makes this program unique is its focus on both overcoming music technology mindset blocks alongside a step-by-step core learning framework and a thriving course community. Since its launch in April 2020, almost 200 women have graduated, with many having since self-released music self-recorded through the skills gained inside the program. Applications will be accepted from August 30th to September 6th, 2021, and are open to female-identifying musicians from anywhere in the world who identify as non-white and or disabled. For more information, visit femalediymusician.com forward slash scholarships. Up until now, they really have not toured the U.S. or otherwise. It's now 1977. They've been at this for like three years since since Eurovision. Um, they maybe waited a little too long to tour because by this point they were superstars and could not go literally anywhere yeah. without being recognized, which adds some kinks into your tour. So they start the tour in Oslo in Norway, which is neighboring Sweden. They go through Europe. They make a stop in the UK in, you know, Manchester, Birmingham, Glasgow. Mm-hmm. They do two sold out nights at the Royal Albert Hall, which I know I bitch about Ticketmaster, 
But I cannot imagine buying tickets <laughs> back in 1977. Because you know how you got tickets to Royal Albert Hall that for those two shows? Did you wait in line? No. You had to mail in an application, which I don't understand. Well, you have to, like, what? State your case? I guess. Why you need tickets? You have to mail... It just says you have to mail in an application. The box office received three and a half million requests for tickets. Holy shit. Which could fill the venue 580 times. So how do you... How do you it has to be a random pick at that point. I guess. I don't know how the fuck they even go through three hundred three and a half million requests for tickets. Yeah. I don't understand. I know I know Ticketmaster sucks, but that's that's a better system than that. Yeah. At 100%. least Ticketmaster just crashes. Could you imagine having to explain why you need tickets from Ticketmaster? <laughs> They'd be like, nah, fuck you and move on. <laughs> fuck off. Ticketmaster <laughs> does not give a shit. Oh. So after they wrap up in Europe, which I mean was a pretty good tour in itself, they do a leg of a leg in Australia. And this Australia tour is important for like several reasons. Yeah. The first being that they filmed several of these shows to make a, it's labeled as a documentary. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go full on and call it mockumentary, but it's not a documentary because it's like a dramatization of this journalist. I've only gotten to watch the first 10 minutes because it's really hard to find online and I only found one 10 minute clip, but it's this journalist who is British and is sent to Australia to cover the, uh, I think he's British, he's sent to Australia to cover the like abba coming and touring yeah and it's like you know dramatic shot of him trying to get in the venue but they won't security won't let him in and he needs to interview the band and like but it's also actual footage of them coming off the plane i need to see the whole thing it's almost like this is final tap but like a couple steps lower yeah it's not as like insane it's not a full mockumentary but it's yeah I didn't like it i can see why it's kind of hard to find some places because i don't think the band liked it either um all that to say it was a chaotic in- endeavor because they're trying to film the touring australia's obsessed with abba like they were so big in, in australia that they were bigger than the beatles wow they had at the time the biggest tour australia had ever seen this was in 1975 they did 11 concerts in 10 days for over 140,000 people fans were so crazy that in the documentary I watched, and like I, I hesitate to call fangirls crazy. Go listen to our fangirls episode. Yes. This woman I'm about to tell you with is fucking crazy. She lays her newborn child in the <gasps> middle of the street so the tour bus is forced to stop so she can get their autograph. Holy shit. Did she, like, people like that don't deserve children. So I hope someone calls CPS. Yeah, or, you know, whatever the australian equivalent to that is yeah and like that's not just a story i read on the internet that is a story that uh stig's daughter tells in the documentary i watched i don't understand i don't have children but i would not lay them in the middle of the road no um giving fangirls a bad name so they have a crazy successful tour australia's in love december 1977 they released their follow-up to Arrival with their fifth album, creatively called ABBA, the album, which is super confusing because they have an album named ABBA, but this is ABBA, the album. Yeah. It's a thing, which coincides with the release of ABBA, the movie. It's like naming Mamas and Papas and then changing it to Papas and Mamas. Yeah. I don't understand. Whatever. Uh, so this album, uh, ABBA, the album, includes the name of the game. And take a chance on me. Mm, take a chance on me. Boom, boom, dun, dun. <laughs> it's Abba break. Yes, Abba break. Uh, which the album does okay, but not as well as Arrival did. Um, they release a third single in kind of a weird way. They re- it's called Eagle. It's not my favorite Abba song. There's a reason it's not in the musical. It's kind of boring as far as Abba goes. Yeah. Which they release in Europe and Australia. And... The B-side for Eagle was Thank You for the Music. Oh, that's a good song. And, yeah, it ends up... I don't know what my notes are trying to say here because they make no sense. But basically, that's supposed to be the B-side. Like, it was never intended to be a popular song. They just need to fill some space on the mm-hmm. back of the single. Now no one knows Eagle and everyone knows Thank You for the Music. So yeah. it's become one of the most beloved ABBA songs to ever exist. And it was kind of a... Th- I don't want to call it a throwaway song, but... 
a throwaway song. Yeah. So by 1978, ABBA was one of the biggest bands in the world. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're one of the biggest bands in the world? You make your own recording studio. That's what you do. Um, so they convert a vacant cinema, which sounds like the coolest place to record, into the Polar Music Studio, headed by Stig. Nice. Uh, state-of-the-art studio. It was used by a lot of other bands to come. No, I bet the acoustics were incredible in it. Uh, yeah, it was used for uh, Genesis Duke. Okay. And then Led Zeppelin recorded in through the outdoor. Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Zeppelin recorded in some crazy places. They really did. Vans. Haunted uh, mansions. Abandoned cinemas. All yep. of the above. Um, and things start to fall apart in the band. Not as bad as Mamas and Papas, but like... Yeah. Uh, by January 1979, Bjorn and Ag- Agneta announce that they're getting divorced. And this sends the media into a frenzy. Because immediately they're like, the band's breaking up. Yeah. They can't do this. They can't do this separate. Um, but the band's like, calm the hell down. Mm-hmm. We're not going anywhere. It's just the divorce. It's not going to affect us. We can still work together. Um, but because the media is full of shit, they just attack them about this in every interview that they're Jeez. in. So, like, it's so bad that Benny and Bjorn secretly, like, jet off to the Bahamas to go write songs for the next album. Which, if the media was hounding me for my divorce, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, completely. So, while they're in the Bahamas, they end up writing what would become the sixth studio album, Voulez-vous, uh, which ends up getting released in april of 1979 the singles that you probably know off of this album are chikatita i have a dream does your mother know mm. and angel eyes also in 1979 because money they released their <laughs> second greatest hits volume which once again it's always a sign has a new hit single or new uh new single to get people to buy the album gimme 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 a man after midnight and so things are winding down. They agree to play a North American tour. Wow. <laughs> the thing they did not want to do. They just felt like, you know, they just need some petty cash at that point they, to come to the United States. They weren't falling in popularity, but I think tensions in the band were high enough that they... Yeah. They're basically like, if we're going to do this, we need to do this now. Yeah. Because we may not like each other in a year. So in September of 1979... They begin the creatively named ABBA the Tour. ABBA the Tour? In Edmonton, Canada. They played over 30 sold-out dates, including six sold-out nights in Wembley Arena this time. Wow. They have graduated from Royal Albert Hall. Probably because there are three and a half million people in that country that want to see them. Yeah. They finish the tour in 1980 with a mini tour in Japan. And this is their last on-the-road chapter. They will never tour again. Hmm. Ever. In 1980, they released the single, The Winner Takes It All. Off of their upcoming... The Winner Takes It All. Which is a great song. Not a great song to release when people are speculating about your divorce. Yeah. And your band breaking up. True. True. Uh, it starts a lot of rumors that, that it's written about Bjorn and Anyata's marital tribulations. Bjorn wrote the lyrics. He says they're not about his own divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, has repeatedly stated that she was not the loser in their divorce. <laughs> so shots fired. And later that year, they released the whole album, Super Trooper, which is an interesting change in Abba's style because up until now, they've kind of... I don't want to call them fluffy songs because that, that, that kind of diminishes them because they're great songs. They're light and airy. They're light and airy. Super Trooper gets real personal. Yeah. And real synth heavy. But real personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this actually set the record for most pre-orders ever received for a UK album release. Wow. Uh, one million copies were pre-ordered, which is a huge that's pre-order. See, that's a pretty damn big pre-order, yeah. Continuing the world, falling apart. In mid-February 1981, Benny and Frida announced that they are also filing for divorce. Oh, no. And that same year, both Benny and Bjorn marry other women. Insert that emoji with the monocle here. Hmm. That's suspicious. That's suspicious. That's weird. Um, I cannot. They're, 
they're really private people, so I literally can't find any more information around that. But I just think it's very strange that both men got remarried at the same time. Yeah. But whatever. They released their eighth and final studio album, The Visitors, that November. And it, they didn't really reveal it at the time of the release, but the title track, The Visitors, according to Bjorn, refers to the secret meetings that were held against the approval of totalitarian governments in the Soviet-dominated states in Europe. Because, I mean... Because that's 80s. not deep. Yeah. We went from... Dancing Queen. Dancing Queen to totalitarian regimes. Um, that's one hell of a divorce. Yeah. I don't <laughs> if you're know... you're arriving there. What happened to him? Other, topic, other tracks on this album address topics like failed relationships, the threat of war, aging, the loss wow. of innocence. Wow. So, <laughs> Someone needs to just tap his shoulder. Are you okay? <laughs> we got real dark for this last yeah. album. And this was surprisingly not a commercial success. Yeah, no shit. Uh, it's just kind of a heavy album. A, by ABBA standards, but also just by, like, regular standards. Yeah. In 1982, they release uh, another compilation called uh-huh. The Singles, The First Ten Years, which kind of implies there's going to be a second ten years, but there was not. They kind of mess around with recording some new material but n- no one ever is really happy with how it turns out um so the the ninth album never really materialized and uh, the kiss of death everyone starts to work on solo stuff that's what it is so they never officially announce the end of the group or an indefinite break they just kind of stop showing up places together and um it's looking back people consider it dissolved after that 1982 singles compilation comes out they do like one final performance together to promote that and then that's it never again wow the entire career as abba lasts less than a decade from eurovision to this break less than a decade less than a decade because it feels like a long time yeah wow that final public performance um at the time you'll see they do do a little bit of a reunion later Mm -hmm. was on a british tv program called the late late breakfast show live from stockholm in december 1982 they're talking about their song the day before you came and benny says we might have continued for a little while longer if that had been a number one (laughs) so what a that's a that's a very cryptic message basically all the energy just kind of fizzled on the whole project like they never their dream was never to be that big it was always stig's dream yeah and they didn't want to do it anymore so i get it uh they they kind of continue i don't want to say fighting because they're not like actively fighting there's a disagreement between members of the band Mm -hmm. stig which it might be a different manager at this point um, and everyone sells their shares in Polar Music in 1983. And except for a TV appearance in 1986, the foursome did not come together again publicly until the premiere of the Mamma Mia movie in 2008. Wow. Uh, in an interview with the Sunday Telegraph following that premiere, Bjorn and Benny said that there was nothing that could entice them to be back on stage together again. Uh they Bjorn, just do not like each other anymore. No, something happened. Uh, Bjorn says, we will never appear on stage again. There is simply no motivation to regroup. Money is not a factor, and we would like people to remember us as we were. Young, exuberant, and full of ambition. I remember Robert Plant saying Led Zeppelin were a cover band now because they just cover all of their own stuff, and I think that hit the nail on the head. Wow. is isn't a very cynical but interesting perspective. Yeah. Um. So they did not... They kind of like, I don't want to say they faded into obscurity, but like they fizzled into the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the early 1990s, a band pops up in the UK. They're a synth pop duo called Erasure, who release a four track EP called ABBA esque, <laughs> <laughs> which is four covers of ABBA songs, which were, I guess, made to be like dance tracks. Yeah. And they charted really well back in 1992. Also in 1992. Abba Gold is released, which is arguably the best greatest hits album of all time. This this reprompts Dancing Queen to be released as a single, and it starts to chart 
in the UK in the middle of 1992. It actually goes as far as to be in the top 20 in August that year, peaking at 16. Um, It has sold over 30 million copies, making it the best-selling ABBA album of their entire career and one of the best-selling albums worldwide. Um, In the UK alone, it has sold 5.5 million copies, only being beaten out by Queen's Greatest Hits. (laughs) Jeez. UK loves a greatest hits album. Um, this, like I said, this is their biggest album ever. They had this whole successful ten year career, yeah, where they were bigger than the Beatles in Australia. And this People greatest just hits, Craven Alba, this greatest hits blows it out of the water. Um, and at this point, it's been almost twenty years since the band dissolved. So this is like there's a whole world out there waiting to get into the songs again if they were younger in those days. Yeah. Um, and there's also a whole new generation waiting to discover them which brings us to mamma mia the musical this is the first soapbox musical really ever yes wow it's the brainchild of a producer named judy kramer and she had the brain i said brainchild she has like the baby idea when she hears the song the winner takes it all She's like, there's a story in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it all culminates at this moment and suggested that, well, let's write a stage show around like some of their, their songs. And she takes this, this idea to Benny and Bjorn and they're like, uh, I, I guess like hmm. it sounds kind of dumb, but if you, if you want to do it, we'll help you. Um, and so they end up opening the musical in the West End at the Prince Edward Theater on April 6, 1999. It does really well. Yeah. So it moves to Broadway. It premieres at the Winter Garden Theater on October 18th, 2001. Mm. Um, I remember when that came out, too. I I barely remember it. Um, The irony of all of this is that really early in their career, before Eurovision, before everything, Betty and Bjorn actually tried to write a musical theater show. It did not go anywhere. Um, But this show did and if if you are listening and you have not seen mama mia the mute movie what are you doing as soon as you finish this please go watch it meryl streep delivers a performance <sighs> of a lifetime it's so so the movie comes out in 2008 like i mentioned and i went to the midnight premiere nice. of this movie i did not intend to i wasn't like i need to see mama mia we were at the beach on our family vacation and this is before like my family decided that 17 people couldn't be in a house at one time because it's yeah. way too many people. So my aunt Celia took me and my cousin because the house we were staying in, you could literally walk to the movie theater at the beach. That's nice. And we were like, it's vacation. This, she was like, this movie looks good. So she took 14-year-old high school drama obsessed, <laughs> musical obsessed me. I swear I did not listen to another album for oh. three or four months. Yeah. I have that entire musical, the movie version, not the stage version, memorized. Yeah. Um, I was not the only one listening to that album on repeat because that August, the soundtrack went number one in the U.S. Billboard charts, which was the first time ABBA ever had a number one album in the U.S. Wow. That's crazy. During their, their heyday, the highest they ever got for an album chart was number 14. Um, like I said, there was a small reunion at the Mamma Mia movie premiere mm-hmm. 2008. There's this great photo of the entire cast and the band's just kind of like sprinkled in there. <laughs> They're not like... By each other? Yeah. They're I think socially distancing from each other. Benny and Bjorn are still bros, but the two ladies are not next to them. Yeah. Um, in 1998, we had ABBA tribute band, the ABBA Teens, which was ABBA shortened to the A-Teens. Yeah. Um, because they're management was like maybe ABBA teens is a little too close um the 18s are also from sweden mm-hmm. very much a product of that like s club seven era yeah. where they were like here's some hot teenagers go sing yeah uh their entire the first album that the 18s put out was called the abba generation and it's literally just abba covers but like 90s versions yeah it's great the glory days i loved it um it was a worldwide success they released two more albums which are also great in my like 10 year old opinion uh but in 2004 the group disbanded because officially yeah 
or eight, 18s. Oh, sorry, 18s. 18s did. Yeah. So that brings us to the modern age. In June of 2016, all four members appeared at a private party in Stockholm. Wow. To celebrate the 50th anniversary of Benny and Bjorn first meeting, which is adorable. That's cute. Bro party. Um, Anyetta and Frida performed live. Wow. They sang the ABBA song The Way Old Friends Do. And Benny and Bjorn actually joined them on stage. Oh, that's so They nice. didn't all sing together, but they were all four in the same spot for the first time in eight years yeah. since the premiere. Um, British manager Simon Fuller announced in a statement in October 2016 that the group would be reunited to work on a digital entertainment experience. Spoiler, we still don't really know what the hell this is going to look like. Yeah. Um, this is going to... F- this experience is going to feature all four members in their lifelike avatar form which they are calling avatars i don't know how i feel about that i like it it's cute it's dumb but i like it yeah that's exactly how i feel um and it's based on their late 1970s tour so i reading into this i'm imagining that they're taking all this footage they had for abba the movie and making some kind of 3d hologram thing around are they still it. working on it yeah, so the original launch date was spring of 2019. Yeah. Um, but in in April of last year, Bjorn gave an interview which he said that because of COVID-19, the pandemic, we're delaying the avatars by six months. Um, jumping ahead, uh, I skipped a bullet point where in 2018... They had another interview after the avatars were, were announced. Yeah. That they were getting together to record two new songs. What? One called I Still Have Faith in You, which was supposed to be on a TV special later that year. It didn't it didn't happen. Um, and the other is called Don't Shut Me Down. Spoiler, in that same interview where he said the avatars were delayed, he also said that they were writing eight original songs for this abba wow. avatar experience um and only five had been recorded as of april 2020 they need to hurry up yeah they're not getting any younger so i don't know what's going on there but they're they're like working on these songs it sounds like maybe because of the pandemic they're recording their parts separately yeah which i could see adding extra steps um but they're also working on a new music video with this technology, this video cost 15 million pounds. Holy shit. So it better fucking be good. Yeah. And it's also taking three years at this point. Um, but then, obviously, the pandemic did not go away like everyone thought it was going to right. last April. And so in, a, in an interview later last year, um, Bjorn told the interviewer that it had been delayed to 2021 it's now August 2021. Yeah. We have no updates. We'll so see you in 2022. Stay tuned for avatars and new ABBA music. That's crazy. Well, apparently they worked out their issues or they're just using the pandemic as reason to not talk to each other. I mean. <laughs> and still do projects. That's a fair reason not to talk to your friends. <laughs> yeah. But that's ABBA. It was not as dramatic as I was expecting, but it's a nice little story. It is a nice little story. No one died. Yeah, that's, that's a good day. That's a good change of pace for our podcast. It's a good day when no one dies. Um, I'm drinking. Yeah, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Sam Adams Jack O Pumpkin Ale. I really like it. I feel like pumpkin beers are very hit and miss. Yeah. They can be real, I don't know a better word to describe, gummy tasting. Like mm-hmm. they, They're not thick, but they feel thick. And they can leave like a weird coat in your mouth. Um, this is very good. It's very cinnamony. It says Jacko's cinnamon and nutmeg aromas recall memories of freshly baked pumpkin pie. Oh. It has the ideal balance of seasonal spices with a crisp, refreshing finish. This pumpkin ale pairs perfectly with the transition of summer into cooler days and nights. That's super nice. Yes, it is August what's fifteenth, and I'm drinking a pumpkin beer. Deal don't, with it. Don't come at me. I also bought pumpkin cupcakes while I was at Kroger, so <laughs> I'm living my basic fall pumpkin spice life. Thank you for listening. 
You can leave us a review on Apple. Let us know how you feel. Are you from Australia? Do you like ABBA? Well, tell me about it in the reviews. A special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at shewillrocky.com. There you'll find our social information, the show notes, where to contact us, and our brand new spanking merch. Other than that, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. In a world that's happy, fun, and carefree, a new empire will take hold. And it's anything but a sweet surprise. Welcome to the Jelly Bean Empire. A childhood dream gone bad like black licorice. Where citizens are forced to make and eat jelly beans to appease their big bean overlord. But a hero will rise from the jelly bean pile, save the captured princess, and bring peace to the world once more. While our hero escaped the Tutti Frutti city to find the princess, or they end up in the dreaded Cheddar Grave. Find out, on She Will Rock You. Special thanks to our friend Thomas Carter Rochester for helping us with that kick-ass trailer. Please make sure you check out his podcast, Lights, Thunder, Action. You can find him wherever you find your podcast and make sure you connect with them on all the social medias.